Hello everyone, welcome to Cinema Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, you know what this show is about by now. It's all about horror and science fiction and exploitation and those gems in the rough that I'm trying to find to bring to you. And last episode, I was actually, it was a little bit more of a joint venture with Movie Freaks. I did my segment and uh, posted it on Cinema Soft Underbelly as well as Movie Freaks because the timing did not work out so well for all of us to, uh, to podcast together, Jess and Eric and I. However, last night we had our... Uh, our regularly our regularly scheduled podcasting that went just fine, and we had a really good time. Talked about all sorts of great stuff, Oscar stuff, best of 2015, worst of 2015, some recently watched, and of course our usual roulette, which was always is always fun. Uh, so anyway, and th- so we got back to the way things uh, normally run on Movie Freaks. Last night, and I'm going to get back to the way things are generally run on the underbelly. And I thought what would be kind of fun today, uh, instead of reviewing just one particular movie or or two, um, I I've been thinking about this lately, and I just wanted to just get my thoughts out there, uh, because I'm 41 years old now, uh, and I have a lot of history with not just horror movies, but with movies in general. Um, just the progression of of movies and how how we see them and how I've viewed them and how I view them now and and how it's shaped me. So um, I thought what would be cool is I'm going to start all the way back with with the theater. And I'm sure that at some point or another by now on this show and on Movie Freaks, I've already discussed my very, very, very early history with movies, starting with Empire Strikes Back in 1980. That was the first movie I ever saw. At six years old, my mom and dad took me to Empire, and then from there uh, it, it went sporadically through the years up till about um, I would say '84 when I saw Temple of Doom. After that, then I got a lot more uh, well versed in movies. Uh, I I was old enough to where I would start to really, really, really beg to go see movies, and so I got to see. Not tons, but more. But that was back in the theatrical days, so we're talking, and network television days. Um, I mean, my earliest memory of uh, of a horror movie that I saw was The Shining. But I think that even before then, and I not I think I know before then, already it was piquing my interest when um, I had a a friend of mine. He was my neighbor back in Walnut Creek, Ohio. And uh, they would get the TV guide, and this was back before I even got the TV guide. And um, he showed me a picture of this movie called Alien coming to network television. And it showed, like, the crew of, uh, of the Nostromo staring at you like they're looking at a computer screen. I remember it vividly. In fact, I recently saw that advertisement on a Facebook group that I follow uh, 80s grindhouse sleeves, something like that. They, uh, someone posted on there. I believe it was on that Facebook uh, group. Posted that picture from the TV guide, and I'm like, oh man, that's that's. I remember that back as a little boy seeing that in the TV guide and thinking, what is that? It's called Alien. That 
looks creepy or something. So anyway, <clears throat> so that was all the way back, back then, before VHS. And then we made the leap to VHS in, I believe, 85, maybe 86. And we had an old school, obviously, obviously, uh, old school VHS player, if uh, we're talking 85. But, and I remember the thing, it was a big boxy thing. And this is still when we're living in Walnut Creek. And there was, this was relatively new technology, at least for the home market. And I remember going to this little tiny shop. I remember exactly where it was. The building might even still be there in Sugar Creek. And there was just this plethora of boxes of these just cool movies. Um, I do remember the first movie that we ever did rent from this little tiny video store in Sugar Creek. Uh, it was beside a bowling alley, I believe. Was, uh, of all things, Bill Cosby himself, I think it was what it was called. The stand-up comedy act. It was funny. And I watched it over and over and over and over because you could. It was a VHS. And it's like, wow, what? So I'm getting to know this this VHS technology. By then I was probably 11, maybe 12, but around 11 years old when we get it, got it into VHS. Um, here's the cool thing about back in the day is everything felt more dangerous than it does now. And I mean, now there's new stuff being pumped out every week. But back then, uh, especially for someone like me where there was no internet back then, there was... Uh, there was no chat boards. There was no no threads that you could you could watch trailers on. You had to go on box cover art and the descriptions on the back of these VHSs, and they're all fighting for your attention at the video store with the different sizes and shapes of the VHS boxes. Uh, my co-host Eric Marner and Jess Hicks could both, I'm sure, tell you as well, especially Eric because he's uh, he's a little bit older. Um, the various size boxes meant different things. Some studios, especially horror, uh, more low, I don't want to say low rent, but uh, more obscure horror movies would generally go for the bigger box, uh, bigger boxes. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Dr. Butcher, M.D., Lucia Fulci's Zombie, um, uh, a lot of the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, the uh, Headless Eyes. I remember a, a ton of them, and they, usually they were on the very bottom row, and this is back before our before I was in my late teens and I actually had a job at a VHS store. This is way back when I was just getting uh, just getting antiquated with, with the world of movies and VHS and kind of becoming who I am now by what I watched. And so uh, this first video store we would go to and, um, you know, even back then there was, I, I didn't, I wasn't at the point where I was sneaking reading Fangoria or anything. So I was just, sneaking peeks at boxes and glancing up at posters hanging on the wall. And I remember them vividly again. I remember Pieces, the movie Pieces, which is one of my very favorite slasher movies of all time, and Reanimator. Uh, and the Reanimator one was the one with, with uh, Dr. Herbert West holding the, the syringe and the head in the pan. And uh, and Pieces, it was the, the, the classic poster of Pieces, and it's exactly what you think it is. You don't have to go to Texas for a Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so, and what I believe there may have been one of the Friday the 13th as well, but those were the two main ones that I remember and meatballs was hanging up there. Um, but those are literally, those are my first images of horror movies is 
reanimator and pieces poster, and then the boxes there. And I remember there was a, there was a Fred Olin Ray movie called the um, Alien Dead. That uh, and now we're getting into me actually sneaking renting these things. So my buddy and I we would get our our BMX bikes and we would ride our bikes down to this shop, and <clears throat> it would take us at least a half hour, if not forty five minutes, to get down there, and then we were able to rent these movies and then, you know, then we would, we would, uh, sneak back and we would watch these things. And that is how I first started to watch movies. Um, uh, and that went on for years. And I will say at, as this went on, um, I was introduced to Fangoria magazine at the local mall in Dover, Ohio. And so as soon as we'd go to the mall, I would, I would head to, the bookstore to flip through Fangoria and then I would head over to there was a VHS store there as well and I would all I would do is study the movies study 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 them and now we're talking a couple of years later I have at this point watched Nightmare on Elm Street, Silent Night, Deadly Night um, and I'm starting to get well versed in the types of movies that I love Evil Dead and as VHS grew I was able to more and more see what I liked and what I didn't like um, and they became somewhat, uh, somewhat available, especially with Top Gun. Top Gun was such a huge movie that that was the first sell-through title that when it was released on VHS, you could actually purchase it for a reasonable price. And I still have that VHS stored away somewhere. So basically what happened is, um, I would go through these video stores, VHS stores, especially the one in the mall in Dover. And, um, sometimes they would have some for sale and, that's where I would buy my movies. So I actually, one week, I ordered Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is after after Part 2 came out on VHS. Um, I remember the big poster for Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 and Slaughter High side by side. And I, uh, I actually placed an order that they had to ship in to their store. And then I, was, I had to time it out perfectly. And in the hopes that the very next week it was going to be in in a week, and they were like, do you, want me to, do, do you want us to call you when it comes in? No, I'll be here in a week. So I had to time it out perfectly to make sure that my parents would take me back to the mall in a week. Well, I lucked out in the very next weekend. We did go to the mall. And lucky for me, Silent Night, Deadly Night had come in. Um, and so I shoved it down my pants and after I paid for it, obviously. And this is how my collecting of VHS tapes started. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and Part 1 and 2. Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the first, I would say, four of them, uh, a couple of the Friday the 13th, Evil Dead especially. So a lot of these movies, um, if I could buy them, I would, as well as, I mean, it was easier for me to buy them than rent them because renting them required taking them back. And this is back before I had a vehicle. And so it was all about what can I own that I can stash away, hide, and sneak at, in the middle of the night. And a lot of these I watched with uh, either the volume off or on one. Um, and on top of all this, I was also taping stuff off of late night television, which was, of course, completely edited for content like Halloween 2, The Thing. Um, those are actually the two main ones, especially Halloween 2. But I would, at this point, study the TV guide. So I would know when everything was on. And I would study the VHS boxes. And back then, the boxes, when they said unrated version, they meant the unrated version. Because this is back in the MPAA butchering days to where movies got completely 
cut to bits. And so when you saw an unrated version, it was the real deal. Not like today where it seems like every other movie says unrated version and it's a cash grab. Back then, it wasn't so much. It was generally, this is the unrated version. Silent Night, Deadly Night is a prime example. Mutilator is another great example. Uh, Scarecrows. Um, even the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child. Um, but when it said unrated version or director's version, it was definitely going to have more gore. And and back then, there was basically two ways that these VHSs were displayed. Either a shot of the movie itself on the cover, which a lot of that was uh, more of your really obscure horror movies, like the, the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies are great examples. Uh, Nightmare on a Damaged Brain. Some of the, basically some of the big box movies, uh, you literally had a shot of the movie on the box. If not, then it was beautiful, for the most part, beautiful actual artwork. And we're talking, like even back in the, you know, these cheesy movies, Dr. Butcher MD is a prime example, which is actually Zombie Holocaust. And it's a Z-grade Italian import. And back, back then, the only way you could watch it was um, was Dr. Butcher MD. But the cover is so cool. It's in this big box. And it's from, I believe, Thriller Video. Uh, same with Seven Doors of Death, which is actually Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. That was heavily edited. That was not uh, available uncut in the States until Tarantino got a hold of it and, uh, and released it through Grindhouse. I actually, though, imported, or not imported, I actually bought a, uh, I think, a Japanese Laserdisc uh, VHS bootleg or something off of a shady site in the back of the Fangoria magazine one time. It was a mail order thing. I actually, that's one of those things where I talked about that before. Um, that's how I saw Rabid Grannies and um, uh, New York Ripper and Cannibal Holocaust and some of those is I, I would send in a money order and then months later, uh, these these VHS tapes, the unmarked VHS tapes. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just, it felt dangerous back then to be watching these things versus now where, um, yeah, Cannibal Holocaust is readily available and the cover art is great, but it's still, um, it's, it's so much easier to watch and it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's uncut. You know, you know, everything is now. Um, but back then it was hard to get a hold of and it was, it was expensive. This is an, this was an expensive hobby to have and it's a lot more inexpensive now it's still with these boutique labels like code red and grindhouse arrow screen factory um vinegar syndrome they are still you you have to pay for them the mainstream movies you can get for generally fairly cheap anymore but those boutique labels they get you some of them upwards of 30 bucks which is similar to what you were paying back in the day for a an uncut vhs uh, but anyway i'm jumping kind of all over the place but this is kind of the progression of how we watch movies now. So back then I would buy VHS and I would store them and I would watch them over and over and over and over and over. And I think I have almost every single one of those old movies. And we're talking Christmas Evil, even some of the cheesier ones. Sleepaway Camp was the, it was in there. Um, Street Trash, Blood Diner. Uh, so many cool movies from back in the day that I would somehow manage to get my grimy hands on and watch. Um, and then every now and then my mom and dad would find a couple of them and then I would, they would be thrown away. And then, yeah, anyway. Um, and I, there's, uh, there's other stories that go with that as far as how I would somehow try to still keep the VHS copies themselves and put 
blank VHS tapes into the the actual real cases so that when the, the movies got pitched, I would still have the movie on VHS without a sticker and I would just hide it in a different place as the box and the blank tape that I put in their VHS tape got pitched. So yay for me. And I still have those VHS tapes. They are prized possessions of mine because they are my memories from my from when I was, you know, 15 years old or not even that old. Uh, so anyway, so now we're getting, uh, so the big boxes and the cover art, uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie was another big one. And again, the, uh, even if there would be a little article or something in Fangoria, and usually Fangoria would, it felt like they dealt more on the main, more mainstream stuff. So Day of the Dead, and, you know, a lot of the uh, Romero, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, all that stuff. Um, so there were still movies, that, these Italian imports that you didn't know what they were. Like Zombie, it's like, is that a good movie? Uh, it's in a big box and there's this cool looking zombie head on the front and then the back, it's like black and white. And some of the boxes on the back, there wasn't even a picture of anything going on. Like the original Evil Dead HBO, HBO, uh, I think it was HBO release. Um, there was just the artwork with the hand coming out of the ground and on the back, it was just a write-up. And that was it. And you're like, okay, well, is it is it good? Same with Sleepaway Camp. There was no picture. So you're like, what what am I getting into here? Um, so it was a gamble, and, I, and especially if you're buying these things, and if you're renting them, it still wasn't cheap. This is back before Blockbuster days. This is back when you rented a movie for a night, and you paid four bucks, something like that, for a movie that might not be good. Um, so once I graduated high school, so that, that's that's leading up to high school, graduated high school, got a job at the Video Connection in Mo Millersburg, and that opened up the floodgates for me uh, because I was able to take anything I wanted there home to watch. So I would take stacks and stacks and stacks of movies home every week. Um, every week I would take stuff. In fact, I would be able to talk the guy that owned the place, Bob Arnold, I would be able to talk him talk him sometimes into, into buying movies because we would get these magazines that said, you know, hey, buy this movie and it's going to bring you this type of revenue. So uh, that was kind of how we did things back then. That was how video stores were run, especially with non-theatrical movies. It's like, oh, hey, guess what? Um, Night of the Demons Part 2 is coming out, and we think that you should buy this movie for 80 bucks because it will do this type of business for you, and here's the cover, and it's an unrated version. Or um, here's Metamorphosis. There, was, there were so many movies with cool covers that were trying to get you to buy. Um, you know, based on a Clive Barker book, Rawhead Rex. Um Dead Time Stories, star starring Scott Valentine. So all of these, which is a cool movie, by the way. So all of these movies, um, that, that's that's kind of how we would buy these movies. Or there would be traveling salesmen that would come in with boxes of VHS, and uh, we would go through them, and I would try to, like, oh, Bob, you should buy that one. And a couple of them, like Blood Splash, which is actually Nightmares on a Damaged Brain, he bought. And I made a copy of it on VHS through two VHS players that I had. And I and I copied VHS tapes like it was going out of, business like I would, it would I had stacks of copied VHS tapes because I'm a rewatcher and a collector and that's some of these movies I I wasn't sure how long I was going to work there so I'd make copies of them Serpent in the Rainbow uh, Shocker and oh, anyway so um, that's where I really got introduced to the Italian movies which is some of my, those are some of my favorite movies are the Italian imports zombie and uh, one of the coolest covers of all time was Make Them Die Slowly, which is actually Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox, 
released now on Grindhouse, but back then it was Make Them Die Slowly, and the cover of that is so great, um, and it's just graphic, and it's it's beautiful. The, the artwork is great on it, and it was in a big box and thriller video or something like that, and the, the Faces of Death was, was one of them, too. I actually have the original, original, original VHS release of Faces of Death from 1977 or 78, whenever it came out on VHS. It was in a clamshell, and uh, Bob gave me that movie, and it's I'm not sure if it would be worth any money. I would imagine so because it's, it's obsolete. Um, but anyway, so that was my introduction to these movies, Zombie. Um, and I would stay up to all hours of the night watching you know, Evil Dead Part 2 um, and just and stacks of movies. Some of them were, were bad, but most of them were really good. Um, even the edited version of The Burning, like, wow, this is really good. And then only later did I realize that this was heavily cut, and now we get to finally see the unrated version, which is great, with Tom Savini's uh, fantastic special effects in it. Um, so, worked at Video Connection for a while, and, and I watched everything and anything I could get my hands on. Not just there, but now I have my license, and I was, I was going to other video stores, bigger video stores, that had more stuff, more Italian imports. Uh, that, that I had never heard of before, and so it was just the floodgates had opened. Then in the, uh, not mid, but I would say 96 or 97, <clears throat> DVD came onto the market. Now I'm going to kind of speed things up here, <clears throat> but with the induction of VH, or with DVD, and I, I had one of the first players, 450 bucks, still have the player somewhere in the house. Um, first DVD I got was uh, Psycho. And it was state of the art, and it was fantastic. And this is I'm I'm bypassing even uh, the laser discs because the laser discs were such a small market uh, that. And I had a laser disc player, and I had a stacks of laser discs, um, but it was such a a a difficult thing to acquire because they were so expensive and so big and bulky and cumbersome to use, and you had to flip the discs over halfway through the movie. Um, yeah, they were definitely a big step up from VHS. Um, and the artwork was really cool, but it was still that middle ground before we got to DVD, which DVD was the huge, huge revolutionary step in watching movies at home. With DVDs came a lot more collectability and that, um, and people buying movies instead of, instead of renting. Um, and this was the beginning of, of the downfall of the home video market as far as, as far as what streaming is now. Um, but everybody bought DVDs, 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 VHS went away. And, um, I had, I had literally, uh, a thousand or more DVDs and most of them uncut, not all. Um, and then from there, uh, and now I'm going to jump forward quite a bit from there all through the, uh, the rest of the nineties and through two thousands up to 2007, Along comes Blu-ray, and the internet is getting better and better uh, as far as streaming goes, and my co-host, Eric Marner, told me about this neat little thing called Netflix. You got to check it out. You can watch movies streaming. Let me show you. And I'm like, what? And this is in the very, 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 very earliest stages of streaming, and sure enough, um, it was choppy. It didn't work good. The movie selection was pitiful. But it was there, and he's like, this is going to be the next thing. I'm like, what? No way. It is the next thing. Um, in fact, at this point, 
DVDs have died down. Not dead, but they've died down. Blu-ray, which is my go-to. I, I love collecting. It's I'm a collector, and that's probably because of my age, but I'm a collector. Um, Blu-rays are fast. I don't want to say going the way of the dinosaur, because I think that there is going to be for, uh, for a while. There's still going to be some form of physical media, thank God, uh, because we, us collectors, we liked our artwork, and we like the fact that if the Internet's down, you still pop in a Blu-ray or a DVD. Um, and especially now that we're getting into the, the soft underbelly of the world of horror and science fiction and fantasy, we're seeing movies that some of them have never seen the light of day since VHS. And some of them, I don't, some of them may not have even had VHS releases. Um, Blood Rage is a good example of one that never even got a DVD release. And there's a host of other movies that completely bypassed DVD and went straight to Blu-ray. And now we're watching these movies and they look gorgeous on on Blu-ray, like these 4K scans of obscure, obsolete movies from the early 80s or late 70s or whatever. But um, to see Mario Bava movies and Dario Argento's beautiful works from the 70s in uh, full high definition remastered like so I would guess that some of these movies didn't even look this good on the big screen I don't want to say that for sure I didn't see them uh, but to see prints like this on a home theater is fantastic and it's I'm so happy that this is where we are now with blu-ray that uh, we're we've got highly collectible blu-rays that look great that sound even better the special features are fantastic a plethora of special features especially from stuff like from companies like Grindhouse releasing which they're releasing pieces here very, very soon, which I'm going to be getting, um, and a host of other of other companies that really put a lot of uh, time and care and effort into releasing these lost gems. Mutilator, I just watched that, and you know, an almost an hour and a half long uh, making of that movie, which is about the life of the movie itself. So we've come a long way since the VHS days. I still miss that that the dangerous feel of VHS and what am I getting into versus now you just do a click on the internet and here's what the movie is. It's a piece of junk or you should check it out or it's, it's a streaming in. You can download the torrent or um, it's easy to watch. Now it's on Netflix. Give it a two minute watch and ah, it sucks and move on to the next thing. Although I will say with Netflix, uh, a lot of these classic old horror movies are not to be found on Netflix. So you actually have to go out and purchase them. Uh, they're not as easily obtainable, which I'm okay with right now. I mean, some of them I wish that I could watch easier, but it makes them still a little bit more, uh, a little bit more exclusive. Like, hey, you want to watch Pieces, the new remastered version with all the special features? You got to buy the Grindhouse edition, and you know what? Right now, that's 25 bucks or 30 bucks. Or you want to watch uh, Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive? Well, Arrow released it. And guess what? You go chuck your 25 bucks towards that thing. That's how you're going to watch that movie. So I, I still like that there is still a little bit exclusivity to these movies. But it is so much easier now to just run through Netflix or run through Amazon Prime or any number of streaming sites. And it's at, the, at your fingertips. It's not like it used to be. And the whole unrated thing, yeah, give me a break. A lot of the unrated stuff is nothing or added CGI silliness. And maybe I'm just old. Uh, but... <clears throat> I really dig how things used to be. Um, I have embraced the future. I have embraced streaming. I am still old school in that I like to collect movies, um, and I always will. As long as there's going to be physical media, I'm going to get it. And if Blu-ray would ever die out and there would be another form of physical media, there's a good chance I will jump on that bandwagon because something about owning 
that copy and looking at the copy and like, ah, oh, right. Especially if they use the original artwork, which a lot of the bigger studios now don't use the original artwork anymore. Um, uh, but that's okay. I mean, at least uh, some of them are being released. But I do appreciate the fact that that there are companies that are releasing movies on Blu-ray that that are in the like have the original covers. Pieces is a great example of. Um, oh, actually, not just pieces, but a lot of the uh, Grindhouse releasing and uh, Arrow and whatnot. They try to give you at least reversible art that would have the original artwork on. I love that. So anyway, that brings us up to now and the future. And the future is streaming. It is. Eventually, we're going to be streaming 4K. Um, and I'll be on board with that. And I'll love it. And I'll think it's great. But I will uh, definitely... Uh, there are always is a place in my heart for physical media and what it means for me and what um, how it shaped me for who I am today. So anyway, I could go on and on and on about this. But that's going to do it for me today. Uh, it's early in the morning. I didn't sleep much last night, um, so I just wanted to get an episode taped because I felt like I needed to get this out of my brain into the interweb. So there you go, listeners. I hope you like it. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, movies I should watch, movies I should avoid, all that all that jazz, send me an email at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, just do a search for Cinema Soft Underbelly. Uh, of course, if you're listening to this, then you know that I'm on iTunes. Please give our friends Cinema, uh, Cinema Sidekicks. Did I say Cinema Sidekicks earlier? It's too early. Cinema Soft Underbelly. I don't know. Cinema Sidekicks, though. Steve, Ty, they're so much fun to listen to. I appreciate what they do. Um, I love being on their show from time to time. Give them a listen. Give them a five-star rating or whatever you want to Whatever. Just make sure that you listen to them and support them, as well as Movie Freaks. The other show that I'm on with Jess Hicks and Eric Marner, we have so much fun, and we're going to be doing a real big uh, recently watched episode next week because we had so much to get through last night, which you'll be hearing. So I'm not going to get into when you're going to be hearing it and when it's going to be released. Just find us on iTunes. Find us on Facebook. We're out there on the interweb. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again so much for listening, and until next time.